Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the PlayPod. I'm Maria McBride, comms officer at Playboard, and in this episode, I will be talking to Alex Crawford, chairperson and founder of the May Murray Foundation, and Alan Heron, director of service delivery and development at Playboard. Hello, and uh, thanks for joining me today on the PlayPod. Hi, Maria. It's good to be here. Hi, Maria. So you're both here today to launch a new report called Let Me Play Inclusive Play Park Study. If I start with you, Alex, for those, maybe some people aren't aware, could you tell us a bit about the May Murray Foundation and your work? And um, you actually founded the charity. You know, why are you so passionate about inclusion in outdoor play spaces? Thanks, Maria. Yes, um, I, I founded the May Murray Foundation in 2016, but my uh, um, story with inclusion or uh, my, my um, passion for play parks goes, goes way back over 20 years. Um, I was a new mum. Uh, my daughter Talia uh, was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, quadriplegic cerebral palsy. So that affects Talia's arms and legs and, and, and her speech. And I just struggled to understand why there were so many barriers to us trying to take part within our community, whether we went to the play park or the beach or other environments. It always seemed as if Talia's needs had never been thought of. You know, for example, in our local park, Talia could really only play on one piece of equipment and she outgrew that after about a year. And we looked at probably the other 20 parks in the city and it was the same issue really there was nothing that was suitable for someone with Talia's needs or complexity of need and I did as, in, as, as, a, as a young mum try to liaise and, and work with um, play park operators and, and try and get the message across as to what the need was for children like Talia but I really wasn't successful in making any sort of impact and, and really explaining the complexity of need. Um, and it's something that really just stayed with me. And over the years, other parents were really saying a repeat of what I'd experienced, you know, that they were finding barriers and unnecessary man-made barriers for their children to be able to take part. And that might be a child that's struggling to take part uh, due to a medical condition or an undiagnosed need or some sort of other learning or physical need. Um, but regardless of the need, you know, there are barriers out there that are just really unnecessary. Um, so some, as I say, some, some 15 years on from that per play park experience and, and my own daughter being excluded, I thought, well, really, this is not going to change for future generations unless the people experiencing the difficulties firsthand really get involved to drive the change that needs to happen and bring the solutions. So that's really why I set up the May Murray Foundation to, to work to bring solutions that really affect change on the ground. So we're very much a solution focused organization. Uh, we're also lived experience led. So we've over a thousand families as members of the May Murray Foundation from right across Northern Ireland. And I'm really genuinely delighted to be launching this Let Me Play study today with Playboard, as I see it as the very first stage in a process that will hopefully see children and their families really experience an inclusion in play parks um, across the province. So Alan, you worked on the study with um, Alex. Could you tell us a bit about it? What was the aim of the study and why did Playboard get involved? 
Well, really, um, you know, Playboard became involved because, you know, I suppose fundamentally, you know, since we were founded as an organization back in 1985, you know, we have had a, a commitment to really securing the child's right to play, uh, you know, at, at local and at national levels. Uh, and during that time, we've developed and we've worked in close partnership with colleagues from across the four nations, but also locally, um, you know, to, to work to ensure that children are able to access those play opportunities um, th that we know are so critical for their growth, for their development, and critically, those opportunities that provide fun and enjoyment in childhood. Um, and I suppose, you know, you know, while significant progress has been made over the years in many areas, um, you know, and despite the best intentions of many people and organizations, you know, the reality is that, you know, for, for many um, disabled children and their families, there, there are significant barriers out there that continue to, to really impede uh, and to restrict the opportunity to, to play within the community. So I suppose really in terms of our involvement in the piece of work, it really began back in, I would say, 2016 or so, you know, when, when I suppose I first met with Alex, uh, Alex became, you know, aware of, of Playboard and, and contacted us. And, and we began to have conversations and engagements really around the whole issue of inclusion and play. Uh, and as those discussions went on, it became increasingly clear that, you know, despite some progress being made, for disabled children, right to play really was as far away as it had ever been. Um, so, so that was really the, I suppose, the, the sowing of the seeds, as it were, for the Let Me Play research and for the report that we are launching today. Uh, and I suppose, you know, building on those conversations between the two organisations, through the May Murray Foundation, you know, we and Playboard were able to engage directly with families. Uh, and that was critically important because it gave us a real sense of the barriers and the frustrations they felt at how society had really failed their children when it came to, to being able to access play. So it was in the back of those those engagements that we, uh, we we both agreed that there really was a lack of I suppose local research and local knowledge on the area, uh, and at that stage we agreed let's 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 run a survey, you know let's let's work with the families who are members of of May Murray Foundation to get a real insight into what their lived experience experiences are of of trying to access play. I suppose fundamentally the aim of the research was really to get to the, the core of the issue, to ask a number of, of key questions. You know, so for example, you know, what are the barriers that consistently prevent disabled children and their families from being able to access uh, play opportunities within the community? You know, how can we as a society better address those barriers? Uh, and what changes do we need to take need to take place in terms of play design and play delivery if we are to deliver more effective, accessible and inclusive play spaces? Uh, and I suppose, you know, uh, we would have liked to have launched the report sooner, but as with many things, COVID kind of delayed uh, the launch today. But, uh, you know, we certainly are absolutely delighted to be launching the report and we look forward to continuing our work with May Murray Foundation uh, as we both work to, to deliver the right to play for all children and young people. So you mentioned there that um, the report or the study, the research was carried out with families um, across Northern Ireland. Alex, could you tell us a bit about that? Who was involved? Yes, Maria, but actually over, uh, just over 500 families contributed in total to the study. Um, the study comprised two parts and, and um, lots of input from my Mary Foundation members and also new people as well, so new families outside of the foundation. Um, the first part of the study, the first approach, was the quality of study and we engage with children and adults through a series of uh, focus groups, one-to-one -one interviews, and would also play park visits. Um, engaging with children directly in play parks on the ground. It was very important to us at the foundation that we were 
um, engaging directly with children in particular with more complex need, those who um, may be nonverbal or may not wish to contribute or be able to contribute to a survey format or an interview format, you know, we were able to engage with children right in the play parks and, and record what their choices were, what their preferences were, and what play value they were getting uh, in terms of the equipment and the activities available on those site locations. So it was really about evidencing um, children who may not, the needs and the wishes of children who may not have contributed to the study in, in other ways. <clears throat> then the second approach, second part of the study, is, is, as Alan says, was a cross-sectional survey. Um, and we were really just delighted, so thrilled really with the, 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 the uptake on that study. Um, so many families contributed and, and, and we had plenty of space within the, the, the format for families to add additional comments. So the detail, the amount of detail that came out of that survey was really significant. And what we were really hearing, whether it was the focus scripts or the interviews or the surveys was the issues and the barriers were, there were clear patterns there. There was a lot of consistency in what families uh, and children were telling us. Um, and certainly the, the, the approach one, um, the messages we were hearing there was were very much being uh, reinforced by the larger um, uh, cohort in group two. So clear messages of, of, of things, I mean, and that was positive because that was giving us, telling us very clearly for the first time, here are barriers that need to be broken down and it gives us a clear direction as to well, what now needs to be done in terms of addressing those barriers. Thanks, Alex. So, um... Alan, what did you discover then through this research? You have grouped your findings into six broad areas or things that stood out for you? Yeah, um, when we were analysing the, the survey responses, it became very clear that there were a number of key thematic areas. Um, so, and I mean, I have to say the findings were really quite stark in terms of what the research showed us. You know, at an overall level, we found that 57% of the respondent families were unable to engage in play activities as often as they would like. And 66% identified that lack of opportunity for their child to actively take part in play as one of the key barriers they faced, you know, within their daily lives themselves. Um, you know, for the majority of parents, their play experiences were um, either very poor, poor or at best average. You know, we only had around about 40% of respondents rating the play opportunities they were able to access as good or very good. Uh, and we also had 56% of the respondent families, um, you know, telling us that, uh, you know, they had to travel quite long distances at times just to be able to access a play park that met their family's play needs. So as I said, beyond those headline findings, we really identified six key thematic areas uh, which continue to contribute to the exclusion of, of families from, from play parks. Uh, and the first area was simply being able to get to the, the play park itself, you know, with families identifying a range of factors that really act to inhibit or restrict access. So for example, uh, a lack of appropriately located drop curbs to allow wheelchair access, you know, a lack of accessible public transport on routes to play parks, uh, and a lack of ramps to facilitate site access itself. Uh, you know, so that sense that you can get to the location, but you can't actually access it. The second thematic area really related, related to, I suppose, wider play park infrastructure uh, and how that infrastructure could better meet the needs of, of all users. Um, so, for example, 40, for 49% of the respondent families, um, you know, the, the presence of a changing places toilet uh, on site 
was really seen as critical, uh, not only to, to facilitate a visit to the play park, but also to um, allow the opportunity to extend that visit. So rather than staying for 15 or 20 minutes, to be able to actually stay maybe for an hour or two and uh, to be able to prolong that, that valuable and fun play experience. Um, parking remains an issue. So we had 30% of respondents who really highlighted insufficient or inadequate disabled parking provision at play parks. Um, and there were a range of other issues noted as well. So, for example, a lot of families, you know, when they visit the play park, they like to maybe bring a picnic. They like to spend time as a family. Um, and, you know, families noted that quite often there was a lack of, of wheelchair accessible picnic tables, which really acted as a barrier. You know, it really prevented families from spending that um, valuable time outdoors. The third area we identified really focused on access to play itself. Um, and, and families were, were you know, you know did acknowledge you know that progress has been made in recent years but the general feeling was like uh, there's a lot more improvement is required if we're really going to, to address the the many issues um, so some of the things that the families noted uh, you know providing more space for mobility device users to move around internally within play parks themselves uh, you know the provision of, of ramps at gradual gradients to facilitate access to higher play points within play areas uh, and also um, you know, easier access to specialist equipment. So for example, uh, where a wheelchair swing was available, you know, families reported that quite often the swing would be locked and th there would be no indication of how you could open it, how you could access it, how you could actually get that piece of equipment unlocked. So um, which is extremely frustrating. You know, you have a piece of equipment which is there, which is potentially very valuable, but you can't actually use it when you're on the site. Um, and I think, you know, at the, at the core of the issue really coming through was that lack of understanding of um, the full and often complex variety of needs that inclusive play parks uh, really, really need to meet. Um, and, and it has to be said, you know, families were, were really positive. They were very keen in terms of, you know, supporting the development of and the design of play parks through co-design. Uh, you know, we had families who were coming forward to say we are happy to be part of the design process to, you know, to, to, to give advice, to give guidance and to really work with others to, to help to eliminate uh, exclusion uh, from play. Uh, the fourth area really was uh, focused in on um, what we would call uh, high play value experiences. Um, you know, quite often uh, respondents noted that the play experiences on offer really didn't have an awful lot of, uh, I suppose, high value in terms of what it brought uh, to the children themselves. You know, so a few things that uh, respondents noted, you know, there was a lack of challenging play, which encouraged children of all abilities to really push their developmental boundaries, to really push themselves uh, and to develop new skills. Um, you know, there were there were some suggestions around, you know, the provision of, of quiet areas within play parks or indeed scheduled quiet times. Uh, and, and quite often, respondents noted there was a lack of, of play units that really allowed children of all abilities to come together, you know, to play together, uh, you know, which, which was seen as a, as a valuable part uh, of the social development uh, experience um, for, for families and for, for the children themselves. Uh, the fifth area really was around communication. Uh, and again, you know, families told us, look, you know, quite often accurate information regarding the types of play opportunities uh, and the facilities that are available within a, a play park uh, are, are not available. Um, and it really is, is quite critical. You know, families told us that, you know, where, where that information is available in advance, it, it helps them to better plan visits, um, but it also allows children to really gain a sense of familiarity with the site and uh, to gain an understanding of, of where they're going to. And that can help to alleviate anxiety in some cases. Um, you know, as well as that, it was said, you know, 
as a society, I suppose we tend to communicate in certain ways, but there is that need within play parks to think a bit more broadly. So, uh, you know, families really called for, you know, more accessible websites, um, easy read text versions of information resources, signage available in parks and Braille, and also better use of pictures and audio on site as well, just in terms of helping that communicative process. Uh, and the final thematic area, really, uh, you know, which, uh, you know, sadly, you know, it's a poor reflection on society, but it was really that of poor attitudes from other play park users. Uh, you know, we had families reporting and uh, not only witnessing, but experiencing firsthand discriminatory or exclusionary behavior from other users and, and even being treated with disdain. You know, so again, I think that points to something. Uh, it's not not only reflective of experiences within play parks, but I think there's a broader societal message there uh, in terms of how we view, view other people and how we can hopefully try to create a more inclusive society. Alex, important findings um, shared there by Alan. So there has been some progress made, but a lot more to do. Yes, very much so, Maria. Um, we see this really as, the, I suppose, the starting point. There's most definitely much more to do to affect change on the ground. Certainly, at May Murray Foundation, we see inclusion as including everyone and excluding no one. So that's not about the majority or you know, 90% or 99%. It's actually about including everyone. So whilst play parks are excluding children or excluding indeed adults, um, then you know there's still work there's still work to be done so this is very much the start of the the what we hope will 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 uh, be a process to affect real change um, and i suppose <clears throat> what's important as well is that there's a unified voice from experts in the field of play and other stakeholders as well and um, we really need others to add their weight behind the voices of children and their families to really lay the building blocks to allow us to, to progress this work. So it's really important that there's clarity of message and progress uh, across the UK. And uh, interestingly, the, the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child recently just highlighted that they're still concerned. Um, the committee there, sorry, I should say, <clears throat> interestingly, the reporting committee on the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child have highlighted their concern that there's no comprehensive national strategy for the inclusion of children of all different abilities into society. Um, and that children are still continuing to face barriers and, and be disabled in leisure and play environments. Um, also, the chief medical officers of the four nations uh, have announced this week that uh, physical activity guidelines for um, disabled children is required uh, and we should be concerned about the physical activity levels and, and our lack thereof um, uh, of our disabled children. So it's very much about looking at this at a top level, thinking what can we do um, to make sure that we ingrain change which allows everyone of all abilities to take part together. Um, uh, and as, as Alan says, then that will in turn uh, we look at the wider societal problem of, of attitudes and attitudes towards uh, diversity, which is, is really, really, um, can be really debilitating as well. Alan, you work across the Four Nations um, as Director of Playboard. There's some work being done there. Um, yes, uh, you know, you know, way back, I suppose, when we were, we were first analysing the, the 
the responses to the research itself. We engaged with our colleagues from across the four nations, so um, specifically through I suppose two two key bodies, the Play Safety Forum and the Children's Play Policy Forum, uh, both of which comprise colleagues from each of the four nations and also include uh, play industry representatives themselves. Um, and really on the back of those those conversations and sharing that information, um, you know, the, the, the Play Safety Forum uh, in, in partnership with the Children's Play Policy Forum um, established a, a subgroup, a working subgroup, specifically to, to work on a national statement on inclusive play, uh, really aimed at hopefully beginning to uh, address some of the, the issues that were really emerging from the, from the research itself. And that statement will be launched imminently in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, and again, I suppose that's really um, a starting point uh, for this this piece of work in many ways. It's, it's taking it to a national level. Um, but I think, you know, within the, the play policy forum and within the play safety forum, you know, there is an, an understanding that this is only the beginning of a process. There's there's further work will need to be undertaken if we are to, to really uh, achieve what we want, which is that the right to play should be available to all children, regardless of, of their ability. Um, you know, that statement, I think, will be will be critically important. It'll really establish, I suppose, a, a baseline. Uh, it'll establish uh, the groundwork in terms of, um, you know, how the industries can best support um, people to engage in, in, within play spaces, playgrounds and adventure playgrounds, really with a focus on, on making those spaces accessible and inclusive. Uh, and I think that, you know, that work will be of interest to, to many um, people, anyone involved within the development of play areas or play spaces, you know, our local councils here, uh, but also other play providers, uh, you know, who, who, who have, a, have a desire to create more inclusive and more accessible spaces for play. Thanks, Alan. So, Alex, um, some discussion there about future work. What do you hope to see as a result of this study? Um, what would your next steps be? Yes, really, really thrilled that through Playboard, you know, we've been able to engage with the um, Play Safety Forum and the Children's Play Policy Forum um, and lots of work to, to be done. Um, so I really look forward to, to, to uh, the, the publication of, of that, that statement. Um, then as a next stage, we'd be very keen to progress actual guidance to have families, children and families involved with ourselves, Playboard, uh, to produce a, a toolkit and actual um, solution-based guidance, because it's okay saying, well, here are all the things that are the barriers and here are the difficulties, but we very much want to engage with other stakeholders and, and help um, play, play part providers, uh, you know, come up with solutions to these barriers. So we want to be, be, be part of the solution process, as I say. Um, so we would like to see a toolkit guidance and hope that that's, we're able to progress with that in the not too distant future. Um, at the end of the day, everyone should be able to take part and enjoy play park spaces and play park facilities and just play within a reasonable distance of their home. Um, to highlight that whilst we are focusing on the road ahead, the Let Me Play study published today already gives outdoor play park providers and government departments lots of really useful and practical information um, as provided by children and their families. Um, so there's already helpful information there if anyone wants to start uh, reading it and, and you know find out, well, what can I do uh, to remove barriers today? There's lots of useful information there. 
And we're really, really pleased that this study has already been endorsed by the Children and Young People Strategic Partnership. Um, the CYPSP is a, is a multi-agency strategic partnership and it involves senior leaders of all the key agencies across um, statutory, voluntary and community sectors um, and has responsibility for improving outcomes for children and young people in Northern Ireland uh, and is supported by the Health and Social Care Board. So I think it's really, it, it demonstrates the interest and commitment from the statutory and voluntary sector that, that you know, the CYPSP has stood so strongly behind the Let Me Play study. Um, and it really is going to allow us to, to build on these findings and, and move forward and, and co-produce um, uh, solution-based guidance. Thanks, Alex. Alan, is there anything you'd like to um, add about this um, very informative report before I direct people to where they can log on and find it? I think really just to say, you know, it is a very, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, there's a rich vein of information within that, you know, this is, um, it's not a dry research piece that, you know, these are the voices of, of families and children um, within it. So I think there's significant value in terms of the, the information that, that you know, you, is coming through the, the report itself. Um, I'd just like to touch on, you know, the importance of working together. Uh, you know, the, I think back when, when, you know, certainly when Alex and myself first met up and when Playboard first started working with the May Murray Foundation, I don't think we ever envisaged a stage where a piece of research we were involved in would be uh, really acting as a catalyst for, for a national statement uh, on inclusive play. So I think it shows, you know, the, the power um, that, that, that you can achieve significant things when you work together in partnership. And uh, so I think from this stage onwards, you know, it's critically important that we do all work together. Um, and I'd really just like to to thank the, the the children and the families who fed into this report, and um, you know, without their voices, without the time they have taken to not only fill in surveys but also to to engage in focus groups, to to meet with ourselves, uh, and to really feed into the the research and to, to lend their voices, you know, we, we simply wouldn't have been able to achieve what we have achieved. Um, and, and I think you know, for me, the key takeaway is that you know, families children and communities want to be involved in the development of, of play parks and play spaces. Um, you know, so, so from a design perspective, I think that's the key message going forward. Uh, you know, it's much easier to design an inclusive play space uh, when we include the voices of all of those who will be using that space. Um, and I think, you know, if we work more closely together, if we learn from each other's experiences, um, then hopefully we will be able to make further progress in terms of delivering the right to play for all children. Absolutely. So in order to read the report, and there's actually a poster that goes with it as well, if you log on to our website, playboard.org, and if you scroll down in the homepage, in the latest news section, you will see um, an article there and you'll be able to read the report and download the poster from there. So thank you both for joining me today. Um, it's been a very interesting um, discussion and hopefully people will find the report um very insightful and informative moving forward. So thanks to everyone for listening at home or at work. Until next time, bye.